ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why is it that Kansas didn't have any hits in the 80s, Jeff? Did they break up or get hit by a truck? Or? They, they had that song, Hold On. But what killed them, I think, was MTV. They made a, a video for Play the Game Tonight in 1984. But, uh-huh. I mean, that is a band of Chewbacca's. I mean, it is a band of, like, Kansas middle-aged Wookiees. And I think they made the video and everybody went, Oh, my God, that's what Kansas looks like? And it was over. Like, the end. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. And then we continue on. Fellas! We're here in the Midwest. Uh, it was so hard. It was so hard to wait a week to pick up from part one. More bean <laughs> content is what the letters are saying. Uh, and we're listening. <laughs> um, who gets to go first? Ben Barton? I think it's you tonight. Pew. Oh, is that right? I thought I went first first last time. I'm happy to go first, though. Go for uh, it. John Mellencamp. Born. Oh, let's go. October 7, 1951, in beautiful Seymour, Indiana. Uh, Seymour, Indiana is the rare Midwest town that's actually gotten bigger and more prosperous. So it was kind of a small backwater when he was a kid, and now there's a big manufacturing plant there, gotten bigger. Uh, when he's 18, he heads off to Vincennes, a two year university where he has significant drug and alcohol problems, which he manages to kick in college and never return to, which actually, if you know what a depressive individual he is, is, is pretty amazing that, uh, that he stopped drinking and stopped doing drugs. Um, travels to New York, trying to make it as a musician. He's played in bands in college, and so he's just kicking around in New York all through the early 70s. Jeff, he hooks up with Tony DeFries, or DeFries. Yeah. What do you know about Tony DeFries? Tony DeFries is the uh, is David Bowie's consigliere for quite a long time. For sure, time. he's the guy who brought yeah. Bowie to the U.S. and got him signed right. to a gigantic, massive deal. Um, here's a list of the other people he worked with: Iggy Pop, Mick Ronson, Martha Hoople, Lou Reed, Luther Vandross, John Cougar. <laughs> is that an insane <laughs> list of people. One of those things is not like the other. And dude, no, he burnt out with all of them. He went a couple of records with each one of them. The Cougar, uh, the, the John Mellencamp story is a classic one. He comes in, he signs him, they record his first record. According, And who knows if this is true, but according to Mellencamp, he was not told that the record was to be released under the name Johnny Cougar until they showed him the album cover. And he said, what the F? And they said, that's your name now. No oh, my God. Mellencamp. And then he said, no, it's not. I didn't agree to this. And they said, we're not putting out the record. 
So that's how we oh, ended up oh with the moniker God. Johnny Cougar. Um, I had Ugh. never heard this first record. Have you heard this record, Jeff? Yeah, I cherry picked on it. Are you talking about a biography? No, no, Chestnut Street Incident. Oh yeah, I've heard. I, I have heard like tiny bits and pieces, but I've never just sat and checked it out. So it's mostly covers and not very good. Then in '77, he records "The Kid Inside," which That's I recommend. Right. That's you look the yellow the one, right? For, just so you can see what what the picture of him is. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's so He's got some all time pictures on these early records for sure. This one, in all his wisdom, Tony DeFries decides not to release and let sit in the can. And Jeff, because he's a super extra classy guy, what does he do in 1983 after American Fool and Aha are huge? He hits? puts that right out as a competing product and confuses Don't the hell out of out everybody. Under the name John Cougar. Johnny Cougar. How you like me now? Yeah. Wait, this oh, is a fascinating album cover, Ben Barton. The wow, what's he got? A, does he have makeup on? It's the kid inside. Tim. It's the kid inside. It's the kid inside of him. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So he he gets dumped from the label. Aww. He gets picked up by Rod Stewart's manager, who moves him to London for a year, and he huh. just writes songs, plays in the plays bands in bands in London, and then records um, biography, which is never never released in the U.S. Uh, it has a large hit in Australia, though. Jeff, do you know that one? Is it "I Need a Lover"? "I Need a Lover" is on biography. It's a number four hit in Australia. Then they put out in 1979 the John Cougar album in America. They just slapped that on there, and yep. it's a median size hit in America. Although, yeah. uh, do you know the artist who had a bigger hit with it originally? I can't remember. It's somebody like Eddie Money or somebody like that. Pat Benatar. Oh, right, of course. Oh, okay. Isn't that of course. super badass? That's, I, I forgot that. about that. <laughs> of course it is. So then in 1980, he puts out, now this is my favorite name for one of his records. Jeff, do you know this one? I do. I do know this one. Nothing matters. And what if it did? <laughs> so good. Wow. So good. And uh, there's one of the reasons that I love Madeline Camp is there are so many different quotable lines. And this one I say all the time, except I add the what the fuck if it did. Like it just, just blows off the tongue. So good. Uh, produced by Steve Cropper. Weirdly bad. Like an actual bad record. A step backwards from John Cougar. Um it's got this time and ain't even done with a night of the two singles off this record. One. Can you sing either one of them? Oh yeah. And I ain't, ain't even, even done with the night. night. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Hilarious. yeah. I love those songs. Don't care for those. Didn't like <laughs> Then we get to 1982's American Fool. And now we are in the actual sort of like the heart of the John Cougar, John Cougar Mellencamp experience. And I'm going to go ahead and say now that I think one of the issues that this poor guy has is that he actually has two different personas that are easily lumped into John Cougar and John Mellencamp. And he's got a, like for an artist that I love this much, and actually I'd be super curious, Jeff, can you think of another artist that you, there's like 25, 30 songs that you really love and then a whole swath of songs where you're like, these are embarrassing and I can't stand them. Only artists who have made a ton of records. Right. I kind of feel that way about David Bowie, to be honest. Oh, really? Oh, that's super interesting. I don't have 30 songs. I mean, I don't like Bowie as much as I like Mellencamp, and that means that I'm not probably not a great music critic, but that's my take on it. 
Um, but these records will each add, so like American Fool has got Hurt So Good, which is just a classic John Cougar song. And uh, Jack and Diane, which I consider to be the first Mellencamp song. Like that's the first yeah. like stripped down Americana song that he puts out. And that was the first song of his that I really liked. 1983, uh-huh. Pink Houses in the Mellencamp category. And then some of the, again, just some awful John Cougar songs. Crumbling like Down. Play guitar. Play guitar is unforgivable. Play guitar. So bad. So Forget bad. all about that macho shit and learn how to play guitar, says the yeah. macho asshole singer. I hate that song so much. Now, the good news is by 1985, Scarecrow, we're starting to transition to where Mellencamp is starting to take precedence over Cougar. Um, there still is a horrible John Cougar song on Scarecrow. Um, R-O-C-K in the USA. Yeah, that's a bad one. Basically just yep. a Bob Seger song. Yeah. <laughs> um, but all, but I mean, but Small Town and Rain on the Scarecrow are just two of my all-time favorite Mellencamp songs. I Rain love those so much. And, and, and like, uh, here's where he's actually like differentiating himself from Springsteen and from his other near competitors. Like Rain on the Scarecrow and Small Town are so very, very, very specific about life in Indiana. This is the same period of time where he's founding um, Farm Aid. And uh, in particular, the verse in uh, Scarecrow, where the banker who he goes to high school yeah. with comes out to take his farm. And he's like, he calls him John. I love that. Hey, Colin, if you're John, yeah. John sure don't make it right. Yeah. 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 And then he says, and if you want me to, I'll say a prayer for you tonight. So yeah. good. So good. Um, and also, like, actually expressing, like, the special pain of that that period where factory farming takes over and family farms are just completely driven out of business everywhere, especially in Indiana. I love that one. Uh, from 85 through 93, these are all just fantastic banger records. I can't recommend them higher. Scarecrow is great. Lonesome Jubilee will be what other people choose as the best one. And I think as an objective person, you have to say that's his best record. It's not my favorite one, though. It's not my favorite. Uh, it does have my favorite uh, Mellencamp song, though. Check it out. Uh, oh, also, used to be Hot Dogs and Hamburgers, which I, I adore. Hot Dogs I also really, really love. But check it out. It's got the longer longer flow to it. And it's also it's about having a family and growing up yeah. and, and trying to live your life the right way. What I about uh, Cherry Bomb? Is that on that one? That one's yeah. on there, too. Yeah, totally. I, and my personal sleeper pick is The Real Life, which is also on this record. I yes. love The Real Life, oh, that song. Okay. Woo. All right. So um, in 1989, he puts out Big Daddy. And at the same time, so earlier in the 80s, he gets married once. He gets divorced. Then he marries another woman, um, and he's getting divorced from her here. And this is a really ugly, sad divorce. Now, I'm going to say how I remember it, and then I'm going to say what the research actually shows. The okay. way I remember it is that he, is, he left his wife and disowned his kids. Like It goes so ugly that he stopped talking to them. And then the research actually shows that he did take a three-year break from talking to the children of this marriage. And his, his wife left him because he was cheating on her so badly all the time, relentlessly in and out of the house with different people and then check it out he's like talking about the girls that you see on the slide and apparently yeah. that just stayed a major problem for him his whole life and then he got in a pissing match financially with the mom and the kids and didn't talk to them for three years and the next record is big daddy and the record after that is whenever we wanted and there are some just heartbreaking heartbreaking songs on those records 
And this is my favorite stretch of Melon Camp. So Big Daddy is just a song about this exact thing, like yelling at your kids and just being a monster. And uh, you did oh. it your way, man. You did it all. How does it feel to be the big daddy of them all? <laughs> so grim. Um, and then 91, Whenever We Wanted, has the song that I'm going to choose. Um, it's not my favorite Mellencamp song, but it's the most searing song, uh, Last Chance. Um, so Jeff, in a second, I'm going to ask you to play from I think it's 235 is where you want to start to get the really, really, really sad first verse from third verse. The first verse is cold day in December and he's looking out his window and I just picture it as Christmas day all alone, no family, no kids, arguing with all these people. And uh, the last chance to get up, last chance to go. If there was someplace to go, if there was somebody to love, he would do it. But he's just driven everyone away from him. If you compare this song to Pink Houses, it's really instructive. Um, he spent a lot of time learning how to play guitar, and you can hear how much better he is. Like this part is super, super complex and super likable. Um, yep. And then also, just like the sheer utter—it's like the um, the Johnny Cash cover of "Hurt," like just the sheer utter despair and desperation yeah. and raw feeling. Um, in this song and then it's it's all over big daddy too uh just cuts me and, and hurts my feelings but i just absolutely love it it's like one of my favorite songs about that emotion um and i'll and like if i'm low enough i'll do the i feel nothing i feel no pain no hurt no joy inside like just that description of where you're at in that time oh stop Love, love, love that one. Um, and then one more great record from is Human Wheels. And then we're out, 93. And then we've got Dance Naked, which has got Wild Night on it. And then a series of each record after that is more forgettable than the last. And Mellon Camp takes him, over too much. You know? I saw him in 93. So I just started in law school. I didn't have any friends like because it was the very first week of law school. It was like orientation. And I had classes and everything. I didn't care. I got in my car. I drove it, drove to, I can't remember the name of the outdoor venue outside Detroit, but I drove there, bought a scalp a ticket, went in to go see him. That's how big a fan I was. I was like, I'm not going nice. to see this guy. He's on the human wheels tour. The record had just come out. And I was like, I freaking love this album. I can't wait. Went in and it was just a heartbreaking show. He just played a greatest hit show. He opened with authority song and then played all the cougar hits. And I was like, man, like it is must just be murdering this guy. Like he's creating this beautiful, deep, rich, super interesting art. 
and he's just touring on the backs of hits from 10 years ago. Like it's like I, 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 the, the, the gap between the two different personas really hurt me. And it actually is really funny. I was the rare person who showed up at a show like that and it was like, play the new stuff. <laughs> ben and I have cheered that at many a show together. We want the new stuff. We did that at Springsteen in '92 yeah, when everybody totally. was like, like missing the E Street Band. Yeah. These are great, great take all the way through, Ben. The the uh, the change from Big Daddy to Whenever We Wanted the '89 to '91 records is the rediscovery of the electric guitar. Like yeah. Big Daddy is a skeletal acoustic record really yeah. and i find it really i find it impenetrably skeletal like i i listen to big daddy and i'm like there's a missing instrument the arrangements are just too raw to, and then the the tones of the guitars and the bass and the drums on whatever we want it is one of the best recorded rock albums ever let alone easily the best of his career uh last chance a great choice but um now more than ever from that record oh, yeah. just the way the guitars play off of each other and the left and right speaker are just great. I think Lonesome Jubilee is my favorite, even though I know that's the one. I love the I love the fiddle playing on that record. I think mm. the lyrics. Oh, and I should shout like, her out. That's Lisa Germano. Lisa Germano. Uh, there's two. There's two uh, his, his the lead guitarist is also great, but the, the two uh, instrumentalists who really stand out. Kenny Aronoff, the drummer, is like a yep. world class, top of the line drummer, and you can really hear it in Last Chance. Like that drum part is super complicated. And then Lisa with the best, Germano, with the most unique sounding snare drum in rock and roll. Like you just wow. know it's Kenny Aronoff when you hear the snare drum. Pop, it's amazing. Um, Lisa Germano is the female violinist, background singer, multi instrumentalist, and I, I could be wrong about this, but I think she's the beginning of that thing. Like. He's the first person major act to have like, oh, I got this super cool multi-instrumentalist female who's on stage with me and is like a, a major, you know, a major player along with it. Um, and on Lonesome Jubilee, you can hear her over and over and over. Oh, she's all over she's it. Always yeah. that record. Yeah. All of those violin parts are fantastic. So the great Kenny Arnoff story is he comes to the American Fool sessions, plays for two hours and the producer's like, you're fired. You can't oh. play to a click. You're a bar band drummer. And uh, we're bringing in a pro and Arnoff's just like devastated and he's packing up and Cougar says, where are you going? He says, I'm going home. I got fired. He's like, yeah, but you want to be my guy, right? He's like, well, yeah. He's like, so I need you to sit and watch this session and figure out what you can't do that he can. So the next time we do this, you can do it. And Arnoff yeah. sits in a chair and watches three <laughs> oh, months man. of sessions, watches this guy play, watches him tune his drums figures out everything he can't do and when it's his next turn he's ready for it but i just love that yeah, that's, a, that's great, a great story that's a great moment about just like well and dude i mean the, the mellencamp career failing is up just, it's a, a super similar thing i mean like it's actually reminded me a lot of um billy joel or uh our other friend bob seeker where i mean yeah. he put out you know five records before yeah. he put out a record that was a hit like he yeah. really worked the old salt mines before it happened for him and boy, is that the perfect segue into my little indie session. That was perfect. <laughs> Putting out a lot of records before you make it. Oh, I see. Any other thoughts, Timmy, on uh, Mellencamp? Are you on board with us? Are you a big fan? Uh, Are you a well, moderate fan? I've, I've got three thoughts. Um, number number one, I was just such a huge fan um, in from like 85 to 95. And now I want to go back and, and re-listen to all those albums. So tomorrow is going to be John Cougar Deck. Secondly, 
Uh, the robot lady uh, came to me during a Beverly Hills, not Beverly Hills, not a two one zero, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. That's his so, daughter. That's his daughter. I was like, yeah. wait, what? And Dude, she's and like, that yeah, supermodel. Confirmed that he stopped speaking to her because she's got an interview where she's like. So she claimed that she grew up without any money. And they were like, how is that possible? Yeah. You're John Mellencamp's daughter. And he's like, because he stopped paying child support and stopped talking to me for three years. That's yeah. how it's possible. Yeah. So that was uh, that was interesting. But then that that song band just totally guts me. And this idea, especially now as as children grow up, like it's super easy to be a dad, you know, when they're two, three, four, five. And, and there you are and. And you're the whole world. And now all of a sudden they get to be 20 or 18 or 16. And it's like, when do I intervene or when do I pull back? And like, when I pull back, what am I giving up by pulling back? And like it, it, in that pulling back where you're hoping, right? Like, oh, they'll take it from here. You know, is it possible you're failing? Uh, at the same time, like, because what if you know, what if you try to intervene and try to be fatherly and they're like, ah, I, I don't need it right now. I go away. I don't want to talk about it. Oh, those words. I don't want to talk about it. I'm like, no, no, no. I have a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> I have wisdom. I would like to bestow my wisdom upon you. Um, and, and so it's just kind of heartbreaking to hear how he puts it into words. This 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 kind of um, this difficult dance we do as fathers and how we father at this point in our children's lives. That said, the three years of no talking is an unforgivable. Definitely. Unforgivable. Definitely. Like that just said, uh, that's just unbelievable. A, a that's revelation so... of the deep depression and psychosis at yeah, the heart self, of that guy. So, you know? Self-indulgent. Definitely. Yeah. That All was right. well said though, Tim. All right. Okay, well, they're gonna, it's going to be a hard left turn from that very thoughtful, insightful. <laughs> to, to Aria's feedback. <laughs> I am going to talk about uh, a Midwestern <laughs> phenomenon, which is the faceless logo band. In the mid-70s, we don't have MTV yet. So you don't have to be filmed to be right, a right. rock star. And... All like the individual artist has always had to have a look, at least a look, right? You most of the time you had to be good looking. If you didn't we're good looking, you had to be interesting looking. But bands, yeah, you could hide Sasquatch in the back on bass in a band. Have you seen Dr. So these... Hook's Dr. Hook's band? Oh Dr. Hook in the medicine show is a great oh, man, example. Dr. Funny. Hook has to be has to have something, but the medicine show can look like the Muppets and they do. (laughs) So coming out of the Midwest in the 1970s, you get a whole series of bands who are known by their logos or their album covers, not them. And, and like you would, you could go see one of these bands and they, and you could see them because they were opening for more famous coastal bands. Like these are the bands that opened for kiss and open for Led Zeppelin and open for like, like they were the first of three at the, at the big arena shows, but they'd yep. walk on stage and you would, you would know how many of these dudes were going to come out or any of their names or what any of them looked like. And they would tune up and play the first song and be like, Oh, oh, oh that's I know them. that song. Yeah. And they'd have yeah, the their, holy, their logo behind the drummer. like or, Damn right. They're traveling with a sad yeah. little <laughs> banner that gets hung up every night. So the Holy Trinity 
of faceless logo bands of, of classic <laughs> Midwestern classic rock. They all kind of come from nowhere. So they could be from anywhere. Topeka, Kansas, Champaign, Illinois. Yeah. One of them is from Chicago, but not from the cool Chicago. They all have their breakthrough with a with a overblown rock song in 1976 to 1977. Then they all have the follow-up ballad mega hit, and then they're all done Wait, by can 1983. Ben, can Ben and I try to guess those songs that you're referencing? Sure, before I... Record, I, absolutely. I, also, back to Ben's point, they all record five albums before the breakthrough. Years of slogging and what? obscurity. Just like like all of them finally hit it big after the first set of album contracts is over. And they're all because they're in the Midwest and and they're you know, they're in this kind of space where culture usually comes to rather than comes yeah, from. Right. They're all kind of lost mid genre. Like they're friendlier versions of coast, coastal cultural moments. They're not quite prog rock. They're not quite hard rock. They're not quite metal. They're not quite Southern rock. So they're no, this weird they're little not. borrowing, like more polite versions of all these things. And so they're woefully uncool with critics because they're unashamedly trying to entertain. Before you guess the bands and guess the songs, there's a silliness to these bands that's classically Midwestern, like just not taking yourself too seriously. Some of the names of the albums of these bands, Left Overture. You get it? Because it's an overture, <laughs> yeah, but it's a Left Overture. Yeah. Oh, Point of No Return, spelled K-N-O-W. Uh, you can oh, yeah. tune a piano, but you can't, can't tune a fish. fish. These oh, are the man. album names of the records that, that oh, my broke God. these bands. <laughs> and the unforgivable ballad that breaks them through. These aren't ballads that are that have depth. Like Ben was just talking about the emptiness and depth in a Mellencamp songs. These songs are so respectful. They're there. There's no edge or no darkness. These no are songs edge. about love spelled L U V. Like they <laughs> represent everything great about the Midwest. These are the deep fried county fair Twinkies. Well, I was of just going to say. Roll. I was going to say Clint. Clint didn't Clint tell us that he saw them at a state fair. Like that's where they went. They are the the future state fair. They are rock and roll ethanol. They are the pop (laughs) to punk soda. (laughs) So the three bands are what, my friends? We got Ario Speedwagon as one. Ario Speedwagon. It gotta be Kansas. Kansas Kansas and from Chicago. Sticks. Kansas Sticks. Mario Speedwagon, the oh, unholy yeah. trinity. Special in this group too. No. Oh, they're but from the south. Special they're from the rock. south. They're from the south, but I have them lumped right in here. Okay, okay. But see, they're a little bit different though, because it's thirty-eight special is the Almond Brothers, Marshall Tucker Band. There's a whole southern yeah, rock. Yeah, that's thing, a right? southern rock. This is this is like thirty-eight special is way too cool for this group. <laughs> like there's some t- there's a little twang in thirty-eight special. Like caught yeah. up in you is has a good guitar solo. They're so not hanging out with you. Tommy Shaw. <laughs> let me just play you the first forty-five seconds of the of the hard rock song that broke all three of these bands. I'm all not, of them oh from nineteen seventy-seven. So excited. So Here excited. we go, and you'll Let's notice go. something. I think. All right, let me make sure I've got the volume turned up here, so we're all set. And uh, let me take you back to the bicentennial year. Carry on my way, oh, yeah. son. 
Drums. Don't you cry no I gotta stop him there. I can't I mean, believe they have the audacity wow. to take us through that entire thing. The, the, <laughs> the lyrics start in minute two. Here's the uh, next in one. Oregon, you stop before the or the really unfortunate Oregon song. Oh, which, uh, there's so much unfortunate. So <laughs> All right, here we go. Song number two. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the Another acapella, slow quiet, build start. Quiet, quiet. is putting into my running and I'm so far from You know what would make this better? is if eight guys sang it this time. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. We're gonna need a drum. We're at about some to point. get. We're about to get the most grooveless rock groove ever recorded. I cannot believe how absent of soul what happens is next. Listen to that organ. This is another guy like beating the hell out of a Hammond organ. <laughs> Now, Ario Speedwagon takes some of that Midwestern bombast, but throws a little Billy Joel in it. So it's aged much better, I think, because it's much more. But I think the beginning of this guitar solo is one of the most hilarious, obvious mistakes that's kept. He obviously uh -oh. was trying to bend one note and he bends like seven by accident. And they're like, ah, just leave it. I cannot hear this guitar intro without thinking it's got to be a mistake. That first line tells uh, you everything you need to know about how dangerous song. Ario Speedwagon is. If you're willing and able, then I am willing. Like it asks for consent at the beginning of a rock song. I love Good that about job. Ario <laughs> Okay, so that opens the door for these bands. They go from playing like literally Kansas is discovered by their manager playing in Topeka. Like, I, I can't believe they escaped Kansas. So what are the three unforgivable ballads that that make two of these three bands one of the hundred best-selling bands of all time? Okay. So what is Kansas's unforgivable ballad? Dust in the Wind. You are absolutely right. I know Tim's going to be money on these. Oh, God. How long do you guys think this song is? Uh, five minutes? Over or under, man? I would put over. It's only three minutes and 20 what? seconds, but it feels That's like fun. it goes on for a month and a half. I couldn't believe that. 
Because I've already... I'm already... I already wish it was over. I've already... Gone to the Got next a great call station. and response fiddle part coming up. All right, what's what is Styx's brutal number one ballad? Is it Babe Come Sail Leader? Away is by them, right? Yeah, Come, Come Sail, Sail Away is it predates this. Is it this is much more egregious and much more popular. Oh, Tim, two for two. Let's go. Oh, yeah. This oh. keyboard, this is the keyboard sound that makes Ben's sphincter clench up. I mean, this is like just the way you are, but so much worse. And this vocal. God, that took a long time, didn't wow. it? Yes, we're at minute, did. we're at 27 seconds. I mean, it's it's their desperado. Hey, this dude, it's it's yeah, but he's also like he thinks he's in a musical, like he thinks he's in the cast of Rent. There's nothing rock and roll about this vocal. It absolutely drives me crazy. I'll be lonely without you, and I'll need your love to see me through. and of course it gets bigger at the end, but. That song was number one for like 11 weeks. That was a huge, <laughs> huge hit. hit. And then what is the Ario Speedwagon ballad? I know this one. Ben's, Ben's got, got this one. Keep on loving you. That's my boy. Do you remember how huge this song was? It's huge. Love the song. By the way, this is just Motley Crue's Home Sweet Home with the guitar, the piano chords in reverse order. But this is first. Same exact song. You should have seen by the look in my eyes, baby. They make us just, wait another yes. full verse and pre-chorus before we finally get Keep On Loving You. That is the longest of those three tracks, uh, unexplainably. So, right. yeah, it's amazing to me that as I look at all three three bands, I couldn't believe how many, oh, like, just how many career arcs and overlaps and choices. It's really hilarious to me that they are truly interchangeable with one another. But we have to save a special moment for Mr. Roboto. Oh, in my, thank you. Thank in you. my in my research for this, so sticks after Cornerstone and Babe and Come Sail Away, and they make a um kind of a concept album called Paradise Theater, oh, where God. they're the band left behind in an old abandoned theater, and it oh, has a bunch of big hits. Stuff. Too much time on my hands, the best of times, but it's starting like the sticks thing is starting to fade. Like that guy's vo- Dennis DeYoung's voice is everyone's starting to wake up. Like boy, that guy's voice is really. <laughs> A little bit much, <laughs> but they push the concept thing. They make a sci-fi futuristic concept record called Kilroy was here about Japanese robots. And the cover has 
Japanese robots on it in a way that in 2023 would be would not go over outrageous. It is like the more you look, the more you look at it. And the first song is a song called Mr. Roboto, uh, where they sing Domo Origato, Mr. Roboto. And I, I'm going to play the first verse. And then we have to get to the end because this song is just this is a song we could do a whole podcast about because it is so inexplicable. And it is the the jump the shark moment for this band. Like you cannot know about sticks without this song after hearing this song. Like you sticks is a it's a terrible band their whole career, but they've got a, like there's some forgivable moments, sure. right? Sure. Not, not yeah. after this. Not after this bizarre thing. It's going to get worse if that's even possible. Go on, bring who I am. Secret, secret, I got a secret. Machine, oh my. Made in Japan. Secret, 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 secret. I am the modern man. Jeff, now this is a, a musical. Song. This is a this musical. This is whip it. I oh, know, yeah. Jim. How are they not done? This is a musical. I've been hiding under my skin. You can see the dancers behind him, oh, like sure. looking up with like robotic dance moves. My blood is boiling. Waiting my for brain God. IBM. That my brain IBM. Such an so unforgivable line. And it's Don't also kind of got like a Dracula, like I'm just a horror man movie thing going on. Someone, and it's getting madder and madder, hide. and it's not clear just why. Keep me alive. All right. no. So listen to the end, because <laughs> if you think he's mad there, by the end, like everything's gone completely haywire. Who knew there was an octave up there? Here it comes, ready? My true I'm Kilroy! 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 What the What the hell is going on? First of all, hopefully the single edit kept that part out, because I've never heard that before. Dude, that this record. And I've heard the Domo Oregano Mr. Romano so good. That's the greatest. Was that played on yeah. radio? I mean, that's yes, the record gets weirder and weirder from there like it's 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 inexplicably bad it is like and i mean there was a huge push like when you went into record stores in 1983 that was the big cardboard like come in here and oh, buy yeah. mr roboto yeah so god well, loves god loves sticks paradise yeah. theater was a huge hit and they were like they were just gonna push this down our throats no matter what i mean they played that I mean, song on the radio and i was like good lord what is happening here it really it is it's un- inexplicable inexplicably is, horrible. is it before or after uh pink floyd's the wall it is after pink floyd's the wall so are they thinking like oh we're supposed to make an album where where teenagers can get high and then just kind of but you can't get high to that. I mean, that you can get paranoid to that. Oh, but yeah, it's I would so be like, very upset. Eh, 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 eh. I mean, I just like I can't the imagine coming, man. That's oh, God. and you know that's not even the worst song in the record. There's a song in the record called "Heavy Metal Poisoning," 
where it's an angry song about heavy metal bands leading people astray that appears to be genuine in the middle of a rock and Uh-oh. roll record. Uh-oh. So I, if Uh-oh. you have free time, my g- gentle listeners, no heavy metal poisoning Life from Kilroy is here. Short. Might be the worst song released by a major band uh. in the history of rock music. <laughs> hey, who has the biggest hit latest out of these three bands? Aria Speedwagon. Aria Speedwagon. What is it? It's the one. It's, uh, the, it's the really. Oh, he's got uh, it. It's the slow song. Um, Can't fight this feeling anymore. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a huge one. hit. Huge one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Why is it that Kansas didn't have any hits in the '80s, Jeff? Did they break up or get hit by a truck? Or they they had that song "Hold On." But what killed them, I think, was MTV. They made a, a video for "Play the Game Tonight" in 1984. But Uh-oh. I mean, that is a band of Chewbacca's. I mean, it is a band of like Kansas middle-aged Wookies. And I think they made the video, and everybody went, "Oh my God, that's what Kansas looks like!" And it was over, like the end. They didn't have anything after that. Oh yeah, "Hold On" is 1980, and then that's it for them, huh? Yep. Yeah, we didn't even know. Tonight, 1982, and that's oh, it. Oh man, yeah, I think it's Kansas. That's why we have a podcast. We have no fear of this, right? <laughs> it's just our melodious voices out there to the listeners. Um, Jeff, that was fantastic. It nice really job. made me happy. Really Thank you, Brian. Really I fun. really had fun doing that research. I gotta admit. <laughs> Uh, and now you never have to listen to those fans again. It's done for you. Oh, no, dude. You are bound to run into those. There's no way of avoiding it. <laughs> hey, so I um, originally was very excited for this idea, Ben. So I was like, oh, great. We haven't talked about Woody Guthrie. Uh, and I talk about him a lot in my American Studies class. So I'll put Woody Guthrie. And then I I found out on Friday that Oklahoma is not part of the Midwest. It's like, what? So that's crap. Uh, and then I, I went through and made a list of basically the five biggest musical acts uh, that each state claims, which is important because what you have to understand is that states sometimes claim people uh, who would not claim to be from that state. So I was like, oh, Elliot Smith, Nebraska, I'm in. Um, and it turns out he left Nebraska as a baby, was raised in Texas. But Jeff, you associate Elliot Smith with Portland, Portland Oregon, Kill Portland, Rock Oregon. Stars, Heat Miser. That's really where he came to prominence. So then I was stuck. But in the last 36 hours, I've been listening to more Connor Oberst content than I knew was available in the listening world. I like this. That's a good take, Timmy. I cannot believe this guy. And he's born in 1980. Do you know at what age he made his first album? 1992. He was 13 years old on his dad's, uh, what's it, like a four-track cassette recorder. He made made an album that his brother put out and his brother was a teenager himself and they just called it lumberjack records. And that's how they started not only the music career, but also the recording career that both of uh, both of them have enjoyed ever since. Um, Give me a wild guess on how many different bands Connor Oberst has been a part of. Are you counting like the, the 
ballads. I mean, the, the duets. Or you like it has to be to have a separate name. It has a separate name. We'll put the over under at seven point five. Oh, that's good. I was going to say really seven. Good. That's really I'm good. Take the under. It's under. I think it's six. And then he also has his solo career and solo albums. Right. But Connor Oberst put out under his own name uh, an album in 93, 94, 96, 2008, 2009, 2014, 2016, 2017. There's a big gap there. That's because he started the band Bright Eyes where he went 98 to sorry, two albums in 98. 2000, two albums in 2002, two albums in 2005, 2007, 2011, 2020. And that doesn't include his kind of grunge metal band, Desaparecidas. Have you heard them? They're really great. Uh-huh. Here's here's my problem with Connor Oberst. I associate him with this song from Bright Eyes. Uh, Jeff Simons, that very first uh, song I sent you, This is called First Day of My Life. This is the first day of my life. Swear I was born right in the doorway. I went out in the rain, suddenly everything changed They're spreading blankets on the beach Yours is the first face that I saw I think I was blind right. before I met you So so I hear that song, what's that, 2003, I think And I'm like, got it? Sad guy, navel-gazing plucking along i'm out like that i mean that was it because that wasn't where i was in 2003 I, I wonder how i would have felt about bright eyes if i were a sophomore in college or a junior in college you know or or like a sad 25 year old uh wearing black like would it have affected me differently um and i think i never gave bright eyes a chance after that um but in the last 36 hours Check out how different this song is. This is from Connor Ober's solo album. It's called Napalm. I think it's uh, the album Oblivion. That's that's much more clever than I thought. Uh, this is a kid who grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, went to high school in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, matriculated to the University of Nebraska, dropped out after, uh, I think, a semester or two to pursue his music career. And he's basically been writing music since the age of 13, just cranking out album after album. But what I like most about him 
is his willingness to be part of other groups like Monsters of Folk um, and to try out different genres that is not just a sad navel gazing guy. And his latest project with Phoebe Bridgers called the Better Oblivion Community Center gives us an absolute gem of a song called Dylan Thomas. Jeff Simons. guy it it, it's kind of i'm kind of dumbstruck by how much music he has put out in the last 25 years and it's like oh my gosh okay tomorrow's my john cougar uh mellencamp day where it's all john cougar all day uh but as soon as tuesday uh, wednesday rolls around i'm gonna go back to connor oberst and really dig in because i think this guy is something special I am a medium fan, and uh, my issue with him is that he's put out too much music. Um, he has got there's like ten, fifteen Conor Ober songs that I, I I like, and then there's a hardcore five songs that are like on my greatest, you know, my fifteen hundred favorite songs list, and I can't hear enough. Um, one that I pass along to the girls is uh, I think it's off the record. It's Wide Awake. It's Morning. But um, it's the song called Lua, L-U-A. Oh, yeah, that's great. Um, there's that's a, a great duet song. that was on the, that's on a charity album with Jillian yep. Welch of Lua. Yeah. And it's got Dave Rawlings doing the guitar part. And they swap verses with each other. And it's a song about being a heroin addict in New York. And, Yikes. oh, man, is it a beautiful, beautiful, heartbreaking song. So good. Um, that's my favorite ballad by him. Um and dude, on the up-tempo one that you played, a song that you should definitely check out if you ever heard it already is Another Traveling Song. Have you heard that one, Timmy? I haven't, no. Another that Traveling Song? super up-tempo. And, and this is no shade to him at all. It's a, it's an up-tempo uh, Dylan 67 song. But yeah, yeah. I mean that as praise. I don't oh, mean that as Yeah, he's criticism. leaning in hard to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, so I dig that. Uh, but yeah, no, he's an act like in comparison to Ryan Adams, who has been a monster with his, his younger female colleagues. You know, he's a legit hero to these people and has played with all of them and done a really classy job of it. That Better Oblivion record is great. Yeah. There's several good songs on that record. Yeah, yeah like, man. And I, yeah. 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 I'm just really impressed with his collaborations, you know, M. Ward. And it's like I a lot of them I don't like or I've bypassed, but I'm wondering if that's just my own. Uh, fifty-year-old white guy thing, and it's like no. Gosh, I mean, it's a scatter shot. Like the guy's dipping his toe in all these different pools, and like one of the things that's amazing about a guy that prolific is, uh, 
there you know, it might be whole records where you're like that's not my thing but it was mm-hmm. his thing at that moment and then uh yeah i'm not as big a yeah. fan of this band but i i have no reason not to be to be honest like <laughs> every time i hear connor over i'm like that's pretty good so have yeah, you, you inspired me. I'm going to do a little deep dive in myself. Have you ever so. either of you listened to the Desaparecidos records? No, I have not. No. You really should. But you really should. Like they're uh, the left is right. I mean, it, it's very political and it's um it's punk and it's kind of neat. And it's like, okay. oh, that's the same guy who did like, this is the first day of my life. You know, it's like it's kind of shocking that it's the same guy, but it's it's really fun. But the entire area around the um, I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning, so this is 2005, he had Rawlings playing the guitar for him, on their, uh-huh. definitely Ooh. on that record, and maybe on the record before and after, and it, and they're they're fantastic. Um, and then I saw Bright Eyes at Bonnaroo with Dave Rawlings and Jillian Welch, and they all Ooh. played together in a round robin, and it was a show that just blew the doors off. Um, so that era is particularly likable. Um and he's still uh, still got a home in Omaha. And I went to Omaha in December and had a lovely time. I ate steak. Lots of steak in Omaha. That's what I hear. Yeah. What you want to do. <laughs> so if you're hungry, uh, I think he also opened a bar. Um, so it's like for, for music and you get to go there. It used to be a bookshop. And he's like, no, I want, I want a music venue in Omaha uh, for independent nice. musicians. Yeah. Really great stuff. All right. That was also really great stuff, Timmy. Great call, buddy. Nice job. Nice you, job. Uh, lovely time here in the Midwest. I am going to throw something out there. You can reject it if you want. But let's take a vacation from America and let's go to Manchester, England next time. Done and done. Fish and chips. Manchester, you England. Have, I, have, I work with a lovely man, Cunian, who's a music fanatic if you want to have a guest. You really? No. Yeah. From Manchester. Yeah, he's got an accent and everything. He'll be really authentic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll talk offline about that. Could be uh the well, the artist in residence makes a comeback. Who knew? We thought we great. we thought we had buried that. Uh all right, great seeing you guys. Have a great you week. You too, friends. Thank Later you on, listeners. Well Bye. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that the No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid.